We continue with our series, When Pride Meets with Coming Judgment, Part 6. I'm going to give, uh, do quite a bit of reading today. And in this reading, I have it on the board. And what I think I'm going to just do for time's sake, I'm going to just read it from the, from the board. So I think, or from the screen. So I think that's what I will do. And so as we go through, you will see where the scriptures are found so you can actually have them. Obadiah chapter, 5, uh, chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. Obadiah 15 and 16. And this is what it says. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow, and shall be as though they had never been. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 29. Jeremiah 50, 29. Summon archers against Babylon, all those who bend the bow. Encamp around her. Let no one escape. Repay her according to her deeds. Do to her according to all that she has done, for she has proudly defied the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. This talks about coming judgment to those who refuse to honor God, that what you put out there does come back. Next, Ezekiel thirty-five fifteen. As you rejoiced over the inheritance of the house of Israel, because it was desolate, so I will deal with you. You shall be desolate, Mount Seir, and all Edom, all of it. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Second Kings, where we will read several passages. Second Kings chapter 19, verses 10 and 11a. Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Do not let your God, in whom you trust, deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be taken into the hand of the king of Assyria. Before you go on, this was the Rabshakeh who was a leader of the army of the king of Assyria, Sennacherib. And he was sent with the letter to give to Hezekiah, we're coming to get you. Don't think that we're not going to come back. Got to go take care of some business, but we're going to get you. This is his proud talk. Again, thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah. This is a letter that this king had written. Do not let your God, in whom you trust, deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be taken to the hand of the king of Assyria. Israel had already been taken captive in 722. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands, devoting them to destruction. And shall you be delivered? Second Kings 19, 14 through 16. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God who alone of all the kingdoms of the earth you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. 
Second Kings 19, 20, 22, and 23a. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Your prayer to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. And then he says, Whom have you mocked and reviled? This is what the Lord is saying to this king. As he, this is what the Lord had given by Isaiah to Hezekiah. Who does he think he is? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes to the heights? Against the Holy One of Israel. By your messengers, you have mocked the Lord. Second Kings 19.25 and verse 28. Have you not heard that I determined it long ago? I plan from days of old what now I bring to pass. Because you have raged against me and your complacency has come into my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth. And I will turn your back on the way by which you came. 2 Kings 19, 32-37 Therefore thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there, or come before it with a shield, or cast up a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return, and he shall not come into the city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city to save it, for my own sake, and for the sake of my servant David. And that night, the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went home and lived at Nineveh. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. There is often a remedy to judgment, and that is doing what is right. The remedy to judgment is doing that which is right. Persistence. And taking God's grace for granted and expecting that there will never be a day of reckoning is just plain foolish thinking. Failure to move towards the favor of God rather than the judgment of God actually shows a prideful heart. God will judge pride. Point number one, Edom, a depiction of judgment for all nations. Edom, a depiction of judgment for all nations. In verse number 15 of Obadiah, it says, For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. Judgment is not something that we like to think about. And rarely is it something that people want to talk about. You bring up the matter of judgment and you often will find people wanting to change the conversation, often because they feel convicted. Today we look at a matter of judgment that should help us to understand that judgment is not only applied to one people, but nations and individuals who refuse to honor the Almighty God. As we have been studying and looking at uh, the book of Obadiah and as he relates the story of Edom, God says that I am bringing judgment on Edom for their failure 
um, in not only protecting their brother Jacob, but because they participated and caused problems and havoc when the land had been invaded. They went in like vultures and helped destroy the, the land, and they moved in and occupied the area that the king of Babylon had come in when he had come in and taken the people captive. Those people of Edom, the Edomites, went in and occupied the land. The Lord says, because he was your brother, even the fact of the brothers back in the Old Testament, where we look at Isaac and his sons, they, they were blood brothers. Judgment that we face is often measured in what we've done. So when we consider judgment, it is oftentimes in proportion to what we have done. It is measured based on what things we have committed. And judgment often exceeds what we have done. The phrase that we reap what we sow is not a matter of karma. Please stop thinking that, oh, that person is going to reap karma or that's karma. No, the Lord had already stated in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, that we reap what we sow. When Israel refused to obey God and decided to keep violating his commands, he removed them from the land and caused them to be chastened by their enemies. The Assyrians took the Israelites into captivity in 722 B.C. It was not because they, had, they didn't have time to repent. It wasn't because of the fact that they were just wonderful people. It was because they kept violating God's law. They kept saying, we want to serve other gods. Do you not know that other gods can't talk? They can't reason? When you're in trouble, they can't help you? In most cases, when a person is facing a tragedy, they will say, oh, God, and they're not talking about the God of an idol. They're talking about the God. When they say, Lord, help me, their minds run to Jesus. But let me tell you this. You're not going to be getting prayers answered at the last moment just because you run scared. The Bible oftentimes talks about mocking prayers. The time to get it right with God is now. It is too late at the judgment to stand this, oh God, I now believe, too late. When the Israelites had been taken into, the, into captivity by the Assyrians, there were different kings that had come. And Judah, who had seen what happened, was always on the verge and on the fence of doing the exact same thing. In fact, they did do the same thing of the Israelites. Their saving, one of their saving things was that they had a few good kings. Israel had no good kings after David and Solomon. After that time when that nation was divided, the Bible says Israel had no good kings. And the reason that Judah lasted longer was because they did. You can stave off judgment oftentimes by changing your ways. Second Kings chapter 17 through 19, we see the Assyrian king bringing other vassal of nations into Samaria. A vassal is a slave. It is a person who is subject to another. And what you find in Second Kings 17, if you read through that, you will find that when the nation of Israel refused to honor God, that the Lord called the Assyrian king to bring other people and settle them in the land of Samaria. 
And when they were in the land, the people began to intermarry and to be intermingled with one another. The Jewish people marrying some of those vassal nations. And you get out of that group what's called the Samaritans. So when you read about the Samaritans in the New Testament, they start way back in the Old Testament. And it's when the nation, the nation that rebelled against God and the king of Assyria brought those that were foreign or those that were slaves over into the land of the intermarried. And let me just say this. When the king of Assyria had brought the people into, into the land, the Bible says that he removed many of those out of the land and brought others in. When he brought the other nations in, they brought their practices of serving other gods with them. And the Bible says, and lions started destroying and attacking some of the people. Lions. And one of the representatives said to the king, hey king, lions are destroying some of the people because they don't know the God of this land. They're being destroyed because they're serving false gods. And so God sent lions into the, into the land to destroy them. And the king said, send one of the priests so that he can teach the people the laws of the land and the God that's supposed to be served. And the Lord called one of the priests out of captivity and said, you go back and you teach those people there how to stop this tragedy and what they're supposed to do. And the Bible says that when he went, the people began to honor God, but, always a problem, they continued to serve all their gods as well. Served them upon the high places, continued to offer offerings and sacrifices to their false gods. There is nobody, should be no one, who should be serving two gods. They should have been saying, man, we've had enough of these lines well, who's the true God? And once that the, the priest came and the attack stopped, it should have been indication in us as, my goodness, let's put these false gods away because they sure didn't stop the, the alliance from coming into the camp. That should have been indication enough that we, we've got something wrong here. Our gods couldn't help us. But the priest that came and told us about the one true God, he's the one that we are supposed to honor. But that's not how it often works. What happens for, with people that judgment does not often curtail them from the direction where they're going? Why doesn't it seem to just stop them? God would often use other nations to discipline his people, then would bring judgment upon the nations that he used to bring the chastening. Edom is caught up along with these other nations, and the Lord uses Edom as an example for all the judgment for all the nations. He says, Edom, I'm going to destroy you. Because of what you've done. There is no remedy. You know there's a problem when you no longer have a remedy. The remedy now for people is to do what God says. It was Hezekiah, the king of Judah, who was under siege by Sennacherib. And where the leader, the Rabshakeh, had insulted God because he had taken a letter by the king. You see... The king had already, previously there had been another king named Sargon, I think it was Sargon, who had come through the land and had destroyed and taken captive some of the people. Now we have this another king that's on the throne, and he had already gone through Egypt, he had gone through various places, and now he's coming to Judah. 
Hezekiah had rebelled and said, I basically must have stopped paying tribute to the king. Hezekiah was one of those good kings. He had some problems later on, but he was one of those kings who obeyed and honored God. And when the, and when the king had laid siege to Judah, there were the commanders and the lieutenants of the king who were throwing insults to the people on the wall. They shut up the city so that now there was basically no food in the city of Jerusalem. Starve the people out. Now you know that we would have a major problem if we are in the city for years and couldn't get no food. The food basically ran out. You're having all this food and all of a sudden it's rationed and now the rations are gone. It'd be a problem if I couldn't have my cold cereal. My Raisin Bran Crunch. That would have been a problem with my bananas cut into it. My Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Everything with sugar. <laughs> don't come give me no healthy cereal. I don't want it. Give me some sugar. Eat no cereal just for health. I want some good taste. I look how going down the aisle of cereal boxes, healthy, healthy, no. Move that to the side. Now, so some of y'all who can't have the sweet, leave it alone. Get the little pellets or whatever they got that's healthy. But the city had no food. And so the king began to speak to the leaders of Israel. And the leaders of Israel said, speak to us in this language. Because he didn't want the people to hear. He says, do you think I'm only here talking to the leaders? This message is for all the people. The Rapshakeh is insulting God. But the Lord took that letter that Hezekiah had received. Do you not know that sometimes when you're facing a problem, as we're facing right now, don't know just what we're going to do, but just going to trust God. It's good to just lay the prayer before the Lord. And say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to do it. I believe you. I just believe you're going to work it out. How? I don't know. I already see your hand at work from the people you've already just put involved. Now work out the details, Lord. You get all the glory. Here's some people. (laughs) By my own power, look at what I've done. Yeah, we're going to take care of Oh, This is what we're going to know. You don't know what you're going to do. Things start working out. You go, oh, I knew it all along. No, you didn't. You were scared. When Hezekiah laid out this letter, he laid out this letter and prayed. And his prayer was not to say, it's not true what he's saying. He said, Lord, it is true that the king of Assyria have laid waste many nations. They have done the very thing that this lieutenant is saying. They've done these things. But God, look how he's talking about you. Lord, he's assault, he's insulting you. Lord, hear our prayer. And the Lord told the prophet Isaiah, you go tell Hezekiah, I have heard his prayer. You know, it's a wonderful thing when God says, I've heard your prayer. I've heard your prayer. You've been praying for this for 25 years. And God says, I've heard your prayers. You have given up long ago. And the word comes to you and says, I've heard your prayer. It encourages your heart. It makes you think back, oh, I had stopped praying about that a long time ago, but God says I've heard your prayers. God is never off time. The Lord sent Isaiah to Hezekiah 
says, they are not going to enter what appears to be multiple successes for the Assyrians or even people today tends to lead many people to further rebellion against God. What appears to be your success can actually be your Achilles heel. It could be something to where you think, oh, I'm just doing so well. So rather than changing and turning and saying, thank you, Lord, it causes more pride to come into your life. It should be a time of reflection of how good God has been. The Lord has been merciful to us. He's been merciful to me. And so rather than repenting, the king of, of Samaria, excuse me, of Assyria, and his lieutenants boasted. So Isaiah, as he speaks on behalf of God, says, indeed, God has heard your prayer. Lord says, tell him, who does he think he is? Who does he think he's talking to? This is what the Lord told Isaiah to, to tell Hezekiah about the king of Assyria. It, it was never comfortable words for me to hear my parents say, who do you think you're talking to? How do you answer that question? It's a trap. You can't say you. What do you say to who do you think you're talking to and you are in trouble? How do you answer that question? It's a double bind. It, it's, how do you get out of it? You can't. I just learned to be quiet. Then you hear, do you hear me talking to you? Yes. But I don't know how to answer that question. The king says to, rather the Lord says to this individual, who do you think you're talking to? For those who think that God wound up this world and let it go, they are incorrect. God is in control of this world. He has not lost control. <laughs> he knows how to intervene. I can say that you do better when you surrender your pride and arrogance for God's compassion. You do better when you surrender your pride and arrogance for God's compassion. God has extended compassion to you. And when there's pride and arrogance, it would be a good thing to trade that in for the compassion and the love of God. The matter of drinking God's wrath may be compared to a person being forced to take all of a cup and drinking it. It's like a person opens your mouth and pours the liquid in and closes your mouth to make you swallow it. This is what the Lord said in Obadiah, and this is what the Lord is saying to the king of Assyria. You're going to drink the full measure of my wrath. So when the Lord talks about drinking in Obadiah and swallowing, it is that you're going to take the full measure until the cup is empty. Nothing will be left, all of it. That's saying something. You will eventually, he says, be wiped off the earth. So the Lord says, they're not going to even shoot an arrow into the city. Now that's amazing. They're going to hear a report. He, he's going to hear a report back at his own place, his own city. And when the Rabshakeh had left, the king of Assyria had already gone back and was in battle. And sent another response, don't think that I'm not coming back to Hezekiah. That's what he said. Don't think I'm not going to return. 
Now that's, that's saying something. I'll be back. The Lord says he won't be back. There was another indication of the time where the Lord sent judgment, and I believe it was 185,000 of the Israelites that were killed when King David dishonored God in a census, and the angel of the Lord destroyed the people. I'm not sure if it was 185,000. I have to check that. I think it was. When we consider what the Lord says, God sent an angel, and that angel destroyed 100, not 185, but 100, not even 18,500, <laughs> but 185,000 of the Assyrians. Do you not know that when God says what he's going to do, it doesn't require three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine angels? One. When God sends his word out, who's going to stop it? Who's big enough and bad enough to stop God from doing what he says he's going to do? And the Assyrians, this king, Sennacherib, the Rabshakeh, they didn't enter the land of Judah. How many of you have been in a place in your life, maybe you're there right now, to where you are saying, even God can't get me out of this? You have cast doubt on what God can do. God is able to do abundantly above, the Bible says, all that we ask or even think. You don't even have the capacity to form the question or the problem in your mind. God already has the solution. We wonder if God can handle our little tiny problem. All God has to say, let it be. It's done. While we're there scratching our heads, figuring out, how is it going to happen, Lord? The Lord just says, let it be. I'll take care of it. The Bible says, as I bring this to a close, that we do reap what we sow. Isn't it very interesting that when you look throughout the Bible, many of the things that the enemies of, uh, the enemies of Israel, many of the things that they did, they were forced to swallow that very same thing in their life? Look throughout the Bible and you'll see it. Many of the people that planned a certain harm or situation for a group, that very thing happened to them. You see, the problem that we often face and we don't realize is that when we sow, we oftentimes fail to realize that reaping also comes down that same road. So what you sow, you, don't need, to, you need to remember that reaping is coming back, whether it's good or bad. What you sow... You reap. So oftentimes we sow and we go off about our business. And because there has been a long time, we tend to think that reaping is not going to take place. But when you refuse to change and to turn from your ways, not only do you get back, but you get back even more because of the matter of the fact that God hates pride. You see, when we refuse to repent, it's really telling God that he's not worth it. God extends everything that we need, and we say no to him. What in the world is left? We reap what we sow. It's a biblical principle. In the Old Testament, if a person committed a crime, they were to receive um, that very thing that they did to somebody else. If they meant harm for somebody, they said this needs to be done, and they say that they lied about it, 
Well, guess what? If they got caught in it, the very thing that they said should happen, they had to deal with that very thing. Y'all should read the story of Esther. You'll see that in the scripture. Judgment is a part of who God is. It is his holiness. Never get to the point to where you tell God that you don't need him. Because if he ever says, okay, (laughs) you are in trouble. Stand with me, please. Did Edom really know what they were about to face and what they were facing? No, because they kept right on doing what they were doing. And because they had been getting away with it, they thought that nothing would ever happen. I'm going to tell you this as we close. When God told Adam and Eve that they would surely die, he never took it back. He never took it back. And so as a result, we have death even today because of the sin. But remember, Christ being the second Adam, he brings life. He is life. And all he says is that all you need to do is come to me. Stop thinking you can come to God when you get ready. You don't even seek him. You can't seek him. Well, I'm going to come to God when I'm 45 years old. <laughs> can't choose when you come to God. By the wooing of the Holy Spirit, I'm not ready. Oh, Lord, help us. God, give us wisdom in this place and guidance to know that we can trade judgment for compassion. That we can be in a place where we receive the love, the peace, the joy, the compassion, the love of God. We can be in a place, Lord, where we receive that. And we can avoid the judgment. So help us, Lord, to do that which is right. According to your mighty word, the fact that you have given us a word, the fact that you have given us warning, help us to not be like Edom, Lord, that just sits there like vultures waiting for the enemy to come and destroy another person so we can take what it is they have. But, oh, God, may we rely upon the precious gifts of God, what you give. We love you for who you are. We thank you for your righteousness in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.